And so let's pray together. Let's open our hearts. Maybe if you're here today and you're new to this church thing, maybe you have, even just for you, you kind of just give a space, just a little space in your mind, in your heart, that God can maybe speak to you in the situation that you're facing today. So let's pray together. God, we thank you for an opportunity to come together uh, this morning to be just a part of, of a family, uh, a family who sets aside their differences, their prejudices, their viewpoints, the things that we're passionate about for the sake of of just opening up our minds and our hearts to allow you to speak to us, God, in a way that only you can. God, I ask that you would do that this morning. God, I ask that you would give answers to questions that have been plaguing minds for months, for years, for decades. God, I pray that you would bring restoration to broken pieces of people's souls today. People who have been through rough, rough roads. People who have been through tiresome journeys. God, that this morning you would put wind in the sails of the weary. God, that you would give strength to the legs of those who have grown tired in their journey. God, we ask that you would do something special in this place. We just open our hearts to you. We open our minds to you. In Jesus' name, everybody say it. Amen. 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 You know, this morning I want to start off, I want to talk about the story of Esther. The story of Esther is one of those stories that uh, is kind of difficult to preach from because you kind of have to understand the context and the entirety of kind of what's going on to be able to kind of dive into it and to pull out personal applications. So to give you a little bit of backstory, if you're maybe not uh, familiar with church or, uh, you know, certain portions of scripture, the Bible, maybe the story specifically of Esther. Esther was a young girl who, who was a Jew. Uh, at a time when uh, the Babylonians have, had conquered the Jews uh, and taken over the Jewish community. And then what happened was the Persians came and conquered the Babylonians. So the Persians end up inheriting the Jews as a part of their uh, reign. At the time, there was this king named Xerxes, and uh, he, he threw this rager party. Like, you think you know how, how to throw a party. King Xerxes threw a seven-day party. Like, they're drinking, going nuts, having the time of their life. And the Bible talks about on the seventh day of this party that this king has thrown, they're like a little bit out of their minds. And so what he does is he's like, hey, I want you to go get my queen because I want everybody to see him. That's my drunk voice. It's not really that good of a drunk voice. I need to work on it. I need to work on it. I want you to see my, my queen. And uh, so they go and get, they go and he, and he calls, he wants his kid, come on, put on a show for us. King Xerxes here with all of his, all of his buddies. Well, she puts her woman foot down and she's like, absolutely not. Like you guys are acting a mess, acting a fool. I'm not going to do this. Well, the king and all of his uh, counterparts, they get upset. You're going to let a woman talk to you like that? And they go through this whole thing. Like if you let her get away with this, people are going to think like they can talk to their, you know, husbands this way or whatever. So the king in this day and age, he actually fires his queen. He's says, well, get out. We don't need you anymore. We can't allow this to be happening in my kingdom. And the king decides what he's going to do is he's going to hold basically a beauty contest. Sounds like a decent idea, right? And they're going to go through all the, the entire land. They're going to try and find the prettiest girl. And whoever's the prettiest girl would, be, would become king. Well, he sends all of these people out and they end up finding this young girl named Esther. Esther is incredibly beautiful. Uh, if, you saw, if you saw her, she kind of almost stopped you in, in, in her tracks because her appearance was almost so breathtaking and unique. And she was brought before the king and the king ends up making Esther his queen. Esther, though, had grown up in a home where she didn't have her mom or dad. She was an orphan. She was actually raised by her uncle, whose name was Mordecai. Mordecai, who had been faithful to, to Esther and to parenting her in the, in the space of not having parents, uh, had actually, through this process of her becoming 
uh, queen was really good to the queen and really good to the king. There was times that he was at the gate, the Bible said, and he heard about people wanting to assassinate the king. And he would get, get word to Esther, hey, somebody's about to, to assassinate your man. You need to do something about it. And, and he would earn kind of good rapport with the king. Well, the king had this guy, and I'm going somewhere with this. The king had this guy who worked right under him who uh, kind of had a big ego. And the way that he worked is whenever he went around, he wanted everybody to bow down to him whenever he was in, in their presence. Well, Mordecai was a God-fearing man. So when this man came by Mordecai, Mordecai would not bow down to this man whose ego had gone to his head, and it made him very upset to the point where he used his power to say, I'm going to issue a decree, and I want all the Jews to be killed, all the Jews to be murdered. At this point, Mordecai begins to lose his mind. All of the Jews begin to lose their mind. The Bible says they clothed themselves in grieving garments and stood at the gate and wailed because they thought that their life was over. And this is where we pick up the story. In the book of Esther, chapter 4. The Bible says this, that Esther's maids and, and, and eunuchs came and told her the queen was stunned when she heard about this whole situation with Mordecai. The Bible says that she sent fresh clothes to Mordecai so that he could take off his sackcloth, his, his grieving clothes, but he wouldn't accept them. Esther called for, for, for Hathok, one of the, the royal eunuchs whom the king had assigned to wait on her, and told him to go to Mordecai to get the full story of what was really happening. So uh, he went to Mordecai in the town square in front of the king's gate. Mordecai told him everything that had happened to him. He also told him the exact amount of money that Haman had promised to deposit into the royal bank uh, to finance the massacre of the Jews. Haman was that assistant to the king. Mordecai also gave him a copy of the bulletin that had been post, uh, posted ordering the massacre so he could show it to Esther when he reported back with instructions to go to the king and intercede and plead with him for her people, being that she was also a Jew. When he came back and told Esther everything Mordecai had said, Esther talked it over with him. And then sent him back to Mordecai with this message. This is what she says. Everyone who works for the king here and even the people out in the provinces know that there is a single fate for every man or woman who approaches the king without being invited. And that is death. The one exception is that the king extends his golden scepter. Then he or she may live. And it's been 30 days now since I've been invited to come to the king. So... Uh, her eunuch goes then and tells uh, Mordecai what Esther had said. Mordecai sent her this message. Don't think that just because you live in the king's house, you're the one Jew who will get out of this alive. If you persist in staying silent at a time like this, help and deliverance will arrive for the Jews from someplace else, but you and your family will be wiped out. He then says this. It's a very popular passage of scripture. He says, who knows? Maybe you were made queen for such a time as this. Esther sent back her answers to Mordecai. Go and get all the Jews living together. Fast for me. Don't eat or drink for three days, either day or night. I and my maids will fast with you as well. And if you will do this, I will go to the king, even though it is forbidden. And if I die, I die. I remember I turned 18 when I was actually still in high school. I don't know if, if any of you were like that. And Turning 18 is kind of like a monumental moment because our society conditions us to believe that that's like the coming of age uh, kind of era of your life. That's when you become a man, right? So I'm living with this. I'm now a man. When you turn 18, let me tell you something. When you're 18, you are not a man. You are still a boy. Like I could just, I could just side journey on that for a while. Some of you ladies, you're, you're, you want to date a man, but you're really dating a boy. Okay. So we can talk about, he needs a job, right? He needs to not be living with the mom and daddy's house. He needs to have a game plan. He needs to be trusting in somebody that's bigger than himself. But anyway, I, I went through this whole thing, like most people do, where it's like, I'm a, I'm a man now. You know what I mean? And I, I was in high school and then I actually moved away 
into a, a different state to go to college. And, and it was the beginning of, you know, I get people ask this question to me all the time. Like, I know like you're a Christian and you trust God, but did you ever like rebel? And yes, I absolutely did. This is this whole like becoming a man thing. When I went away to college, I was going to do things my own way. And it's pretty textbook, the journey that that I went through. It was, it was, I want to make my own decisions. I want everybody else who had given feedback into my life to stay out of my life. Got really ugly with my parents. I told them, I don't want you telling me what to do. You let me live my life. You live your life. And uh, I was so stubborn that it took me down a very difficult road. But because of this position that you're kind of conditioned by society to be in, in the, in the frame of uh, the, where, where my mind was at, um, I was okay with it. I was going to prove to the world what I could do. I was going to show everybody just how much of a man that I was. And I remember that led me to a place of rock bottom, not just because I didn't have things. And I didn't have things. I remember I, I was working at Starbucks at the time. Uh, I, I partially dropped out of school at the time that I was working at Starbucks because I was needing to make money uh, because I didn't have the support because I told my parents to stay out of my life. And so I'm trying to to go to, uh, to, to, to get hours, but I remember they cut my hours, so then I wasn't working, so then I, I accrued all this like credit card debt. I had no money for food, so I, I would get a box of crackers from the grocery store and a, and a bottle of the, or, or a jar of the peanut butter mixed with jelly. It's like when it first came out, and I would, that would be everything that I ate for the week. I would go to Taco Bell, and I would get a cup of water, and that would be the water cup that I used when I was sleeping on my buddy's couch at the apartment that I was living in. And I, I had chosen this life. Like, this was my be a man life, you know? And I, I remember kind of coming to this place where, where I begin to realize that the life that I saw as freedom wasn't really freedom. It was actually bondage. And I remember going, specifically a situation, we had been invited to this, uh, it was like a worship night. Uh, and I wasn't, I was going to church, but I wasn't like probably, I wasn't living the life of, of a follower of Christ. And uh, we ended up at this event and all of my friends, all of my friends that I partied with, I kind of lived just a wild life with, uh, we all ended up at this event where this, uh, this, this singer was, was hosting this, this thing. And, and we had gone because we thought she was cute and all this kind of stuff. And when we get in there into the room, uh, we're all standing there. And it's like, it's like worship music. And so the lights are down. And that was the type of event that it was. And I'm, I'm there. And, and I remember it was, it, was a life, it was a life-altering moment for me. It was like a life-changing moment. I don't know if you ever had uh, these. But I remember she, she began to sing this song. And if I sit here, I can almost get emotional just thinking about it. Uh, because I remember she started singing this, this, this song and it, it went, Father I, Father, I love your ways. You came in your mercy and died in my place. And all I can do is bow. It's because of your love and your sovereign grace that you sweep me away. Sweep me away in your love. And she went to this whole thing. And I remember kind of having this moment where I was come face to face with the way that I was raised my beliefs in God. I remember opening my eyes and looking and those friends that were surrounding me just moments before, I don't know where they went, but they were gone. I remember thinking to myself, wow, this is, this is the life that you really want. This is the life that you're really choosing to live. This is you being a man. I remember going home and, and I struggled with it for probably a couple more months, but finally I broke down and I called my dad and I knew that I needed structure in my life. So I thought, you know, discipline, what I'm going to do is I'm going to go into the military. Like, this was my game plan. I, I, know, I know the one thing that I can't live without is structure. I, I need discipline. I need somebody in my life that can tell me what I need to do because it is the thing that I, I was just convinced. I just knew that that was the thing that where, where freedom really was. And so I remember calling my dad and, and kind of getting things right between me and him. And, and I remember just t telling him, like, I'm kind of thinking about this. And we had this, this conversation, and he told me, well, you're always, you know, kind of welcome to, to come home. And I remember at the time, the church was starting this, uh, 
was, was starting this internship program, and they were, they were calling it an, an elite ministry training program. It wasn't for the faint of heart. Uh, and, it, and, and what we're going to be doing is it tra- elite training, discipline training for people that are wanting to go into ministry. And so I, I didn't know that I really wanted to do it. I ended up moving home. And uh, when I moved home, I was going to kind of clear my head. And I thought to myself, you know, I'll probably join, join the military. And that was going to be, you know, my life. I just knew that I just craved, craved some sort of structure in my life. And uh, after I got home, though, um, I, I just felt like God spoke to my heart. And uh, I ended up joining this ministry training program. And uh, I never left. I've been here ever since, a part of the church and a part of what uh, my family is doing. Um, but, but oftentimes, oftentimes I look back, and I don't know if you ever do this in your life. You ever look back, and I, and I think to myself, man, what, what would my life look like had I made a different decision? Like, do you ever have those? Because life, life is full of crossroads. And, and, and you may think that, man, decisions don't really matter, but, but every decision that you've made in your past, it's, it's, it's somehow or another led you to this place that you are today. I, th- I think to myself, man, if I would have went into the military, man, would I, would I have ever gotten into ministry? Would I have married the woman that I'm married to today? Would I have had the kids that I, that I have today? Do you ever think about this? Do you ever think about what your life would look like had you made different decisions in life? And it's funny because you think that these pivotal points in life would become easier the older you get, but they don't. They actually become more difficult the more that you have in life. There's something about the progression of life that increases the pressure of life. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? You see, when you're first, when you're first starting out and you're just a dreamer, you have nothing to carry on your back but your dreams. But once you start having a family and once you start building that career, all of a sudden you start carrying the pressure of the progression of life. And then new opportunities present themselves that are very, very important because the decisions that you make ultimately dictate the life that you have. But if we're really, really honest, we become apprehensive about these decisions. We, we, how, do, how do I know? How do I know if I'm making the right choice? If I'm making the right decision, Esther finds herself in one of these places. She, she was just a poor girl without a father, without a mother who had been raised by her uncle. By somehow, some way, she stumbles into this place of prominence. But this place of prominence has also brought into her life pressure. Brought, brought a pressure that when, when push comes to shove and she's actually called to save the people that are actually her people, she doesn't, she doesn't know if she can do it. Today, I've come to talk to people who are at a crossroads. Today, I've come to talk to people that you don't know what decision to make. Today, I've called to come to talk to somebody who's thinking about running out on your family. Today, I've come to talk to somebody who's thinking about running out on your job or throwing away your dream. Today, I've come to talk to somebody who's at a crossroads and doesn't know which way to go. How do I know? How do I know what decision to make? How do I, how do I know what move to make? You, you know why it's so hard? You know why it's so hard when you come to a crossroads and you're thinking, where do I go from here? You know, you know why it's hard? Because, because somehow, some way, fear has crept into my heart. And, and I'm afraid of where I may end up. And, and the reason that I'm afraid, let me slow down to hear me today. The reason I'm afraid of where I might end up is because I forgot how I got here in the first place. Uh, Esther, Esther, can, can, can you teach me something? Because there's something about the life of Esther. If, if, if you finish the story, she, she doesn't end afraid. She actually goes before the king and God delivers her, her people and does these in, incredible miracles on her behalf. But, 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 but it required something of her. If you're going to make good decisions, when you're at the crossroads of life, one of the first things that you have to do is you need to remember how you got here. How do you think that you made it this far in this life, ma'am? 
How, how do you think you made it this far in life, sir? Was it just luck, Esther? Esther, how did you become the queen in the palace? How did you become this person of prominence? Queen, was it just luck? Was it just that one day, man, the king got a little bit too drunk and somehow he fired his queen and they just happened? Was, was it really just luck? I want you to think about your journey this morning. I want you to think about how you got to this place today. You may be in a desperate situation with your family and you may be in a desperate situation with your kids and you may be in a desperate situation as it pertains to your future, but I dare you to remember Remember how you got here. It was not luck. It was not just opportunity. It wasn't something that just presented itself. No, you didn't get here because of luck. How, how did you get here, Esther? Was it because of your lifestyle? Was it because of your hustle? You really think that you got here because of how good you are? You really think because you worked and you grind? What, what about all the time? What about all the people that have incurred injuries and gotten car accidents and they were hustling and they were working and you still think it was your lifestyle that got you here? I dare somebody today who is at a crossroads to remember how you got here. How did you get here, Esther? Because if it wasn't luck and if it wasn't your lifestyle, well, it pretty, pretty clear in the Bible, it looks like it was your looks. It looks like it was your natural talent. Your natural ability, the things that you can do that only you can do. Do you really think that's how you got here? That you just had a pretty face? Sir, that built the, the incredible business, that, that, that somehow you got that wife that you seem to be so unqualified for, that God blessed you with the children that you have. You think that's just because you have good genetics? My question for you this morning is who gave you those genetics? Who gave you those looks? Who gave you those talents? Who gave you those abilities? I dare somebody this morning to remember how you got here because there is only one reason that a piece of your mama and the piece of your daddy collided and one out of 400 billion trillion people collided and somehow you showed up here today. What are, what are the chances that you were graced with the gift of life? It is God and God alone. There are people who never got the opportunity, but you're still here. I dare you this morning to remember where you came from. How, how do I make decisions at pivotal points? How do I know if I'm going in the right direction? The first thing that I have to do is I have to remember how I got here. It was by God's grace and by God's grace alone. The fact that I have breath in my lungs and I have blood in my veins is not by me. I had nothing to do with it at all. It's because somebody that's bigger than me placed me on the face of this planet. And when people tried to stop it, they couldn't. I still showed up. I'm still here. And if I'm still here, God's still got a purpose and God's still got a plan. It it doesn't matter how dark, it doesn't matter how dim, there is light at the end of your tunnel. There is light at the end of your, somebody better hear me this morning. There is light at the end of your tunnel. Pivotal points. How, how do I make the right decision? Where do I go from here? Do I throw in the towel on my marriage? Do I throw in the towel on my business? Do, do I just play it safe because life has been good and, and maybe I should just be thankful for the thing that I have? How, how do, where do I go from here? You better remember how you got here. It was God and God alone, because here's what happens. When you forget how you got here, you end up forgetting whose voice really matters. <laughs> when you for, that's why I say, when you forget how you got here, you forget whose voice really matters. You got you to gotta remember how you got here, and then you got to remember who really matters. Why? Because in this journey of life, when I'm, when I'm at pivotal points, I have this tendency to start listening to voices that are not qualified to give me direction. 
I start in entertaining voices that are not really qualified to tell me how I, things I need to do to get to where I want to go because they don't even know how I got to where I am. Esther, Esther, the Bible says when, when Mordecai calls for Esther, you've got to go to the king. The Jews are going to die. You've you, you got to do something. The Bible says she responds and says, I don't know. I'm afraid the king, the king might kill me. She says this after talking with her royal eunuch. You hearing me this morning after talking with her royal eunuch. Isn't it funny how we turn to people that really shouldn't be qualified to give us advice in life, but we do because they're around royal eunuch. What is a eunuch? Someone who who doesn't have the capacity to reproduce Uh, unproductive, yet they're royal. So they look important. In other words, on the outside, they're important, but internally they're unproductive. People in your life that have been there, so they have an important position in their life, yet when you look at the fruit of their life, there's nothing there. Mommy and daddy, can you tell me what I can, mommy and daddy can't tell you what to do because mommy and daddy don't have the purpose and the plan on the inside of their life that you have on the inside of yours. God has called them to a different destination that he's called you. And when we take advice from people around us that have the outward, uh, outward vision or, 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 or outward visual of importance, but on the inside of their life, they are unproductive. We always end up at wrong destinations. What am I telling you? When you forget who brought you here, you start prioritizing wrongly voices in your life, voices that don't matter. They, 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 they don't have the life that you want so you've got to stop taking advice from the people that don't have the life that you want there's a difference between fruitfulness and faithfulness what what am i saying i so much of the time we give ear to people who have been faithful to us because you because you're my you're my royal eunuch you're the one who has been with me through thick and thin and 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 you've been you've been around You've been faithful. Who, who are these? This is your boss. This is your mom. This is your dad. This is your auntie. This is your uncle. These are the people who have cheered. And there's, there's nothing wrong with these people. There's nothing wrong with these people. But there's a, dif- th- th- there's a difference in life between faithfulness and fruitfulness. And we think a lot of times in our life that we, we owe something to the people in life that have been loyal to us. And we think that the ones that have been loyal to us are the ones that we should listen to. This is, this is, this is honestly so not true. In, in our society, we have misprioritized Loyalty. I want you to hear me this morning because I want to talk about this. We've misprioritized this idea of loyalty. We th- we, people, and I, the reason I know is because I've done this. Loyalty is everything to me. Right? If you're not loyal, th- then, then be gone. Right? You, you're, you're po- you, I, loyalty is everything to me. And the reason I want loyalty out of people is because I want to be able to trust people. The problem is, is God never told me to put my trust in people. God told me to put my trust in him. And the nature of <laughs> the nature of loyalty is loyalty requires disloyalty. What am I talking about? To be loyal to Starbucks, I have to be disloyal to Dutch Bros. You feel me? To, to, to be loyal to what I'm loyal to you. Well, that means that the byproduct of that is then you're disloyal to somebody else. And I'm telling you, when, when, when you take this is what we do. We take loyalty and we make it royalty. We take, we take this loyal eunuch who has been around serving in the palace and we call him a royal eunuch. We give him, a, we give him a, a position of authority that he doesn't have, that he shouldn't have. And we do this with people in our lives, people who have been loyal. The, point, the, 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 the trouble is, in life, you will at some point come to the crossroads when someone's advice is going to go against the God advice that God has birthed and placed in your soul. I'm here to tell somebody today, you already know what to do. And you better remember who got you here so you remember whose voice matters. And, and what's funny is when you're starting out on your journey, you're, you're listening to that still small voice because you don't got no other voices to listen to. <laughs> 
But get that marriage that you always wanted, get that job that you always wanted, get that fame that you always wanted, get that pedestal that you always wanted. All of a sudden, you've got a bunch of different opinions all different around. What do you think that I should do? What do you think I should do? And here's the thing in life. At the end of the day, you will always make the wrong decisions if you don't remember where you came from. Because you will not have the ability to remember whose voice matters. I dare you to believe God again like you believed him in the beginning. I dare you to have courage to trust the inward voice of God. I'm talking about the voice beneath the voice that you trusted in the beginning. I'm talking about the voice that got you here. The voice that kept you here. The voice that got you through the trials and through the tribulations. When you were overwhelmed, that still small voice that said, I got you. I'm talking about that voice beneath the voice. The Bible talks about how there's, there's wisdom in a multitude of counselors. But a lot of times we forfeit the wisdom because we want, we, we want safe counsel. <laughs> Mordecai was given her wisdom. you got to go before the king. <laughs> you have a God, you've got to go before the king and you better plead for your people. Uh, royal eunuch, can you tell me what you think? A lot of times in life we're looking for comfort. We're looking for people. And what happens is we allow people to talk us out of our destiny. Do you hear me this morning? You, you allow people to talk. And this is why people get in life. They just, they just settle for what is. This is just, just going to be the way that life is. It's not because you don't know. It's, be, it's because you've allowed too many voices into your life that have literally paralyzed you from being, becoming the person that God wants you to become. Stop caring what people think so much, folks. Can you put your trust in God? The affirmation that you, here's the, here's, the, here's, the, here's the bottom line. Not everybody's going to like you all the time. And I'd much rather go down attempting to hear the voice of God than just following the voice of man. Following the voice of family members. Following the voice of well-meaning people that mean well, but they don't have the fruitfulness in their life that I desire. So because they don't have the fruitfulness in their life that I desire, they are not qualified to give me advice and a direction to be able to produce the, the fruit that God has called me to produce. Your destiny is different than my destiny. This is why it's, it's, if you go to people, people you try to kind of give me advice, but they don't, they, don't, they don't know how to produce that because that's not what they're called to. I wish you could hear me this morning. I'm, I'm talking about your destiny is different than my destiny. And if I spend, too, I, I, need to, I need wise counsel. But if I prioritize human voice over God voice, I will always forfeit my destiny. Because your opinion would get you to your destination. But the opinion of God will get me to my destination. I have to trust in something bigger than myself. Esther, how do you navigate the pivotal decisions? You got to remember how you got here. And you got to remember whose voice matters. And the reason you got to remember whose voice matters because it's ultimately leading you to not just remember how you got here and not just remember whose voice matters, but to remember the people that are counting on you. Think about it. Think, and and this, is, this is so hard for us to connect the dots. Let's change the world. Yeah, you, you can change the world. But it's like, it's, it's hard to connect the dots. Think, think about this. Esther. Young girl, orphan. Just, this is the way my life's going to be. I have a great uncle. And I'm thankful for this uncle because not a mom or a dad. I wouldn't know how to navigate the ups and downs of this life. Maybe though, maybe Esther starts dreaming and thinking, maybe God, maybe God can do something with my life. And then somehow, some way, out of nowhere, the king's people come and they take Esther and they say, "You, you are beautiful." And the king is, "Who me? I'm just, I'm just, just." Me? Yeah, you, 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 you are, be I think you need to come and 
come before the king. He's doing this beauty contest. trying me, Esther? Me. Could you imagine what it would feel like? Have you had these moments in your life when you got the thing that you only dreamed was possible? <laughs> have somebody to love me. Have somebody to care for me. I have kids of my own. Man, look, look at my the job. If I could just have that job. If I could just have. If I could just people get people to pay attention to how good I am at what I do. And all of a sudden, the doors open, and you find yourself in the palace, and you almost start to settle in the palace. This is this is the story, really, of Esther. You you get comfortable and forget. And you think that the palace was the destination. I want you to hear me this morning. But the palace was not the destination. The palace set the stage for the opportunity. The opportunity for what? The palace sets the stage, the opportunity for you to walk into your ultimate purpose. Sometimes in life you think the palace is your purpose. You think that the palace, the fame, the success, the family, the marriage, the thing that you want, the thing that you think, that's it. And when you get it, you think, well, I've already arrived. And you miss out on the fact that the palace is just a platform for your purpose. The season of life that you're in, you're at a crossroads and you're thinking, well, I'm already here. What if you're not already there? What if God has called you to something greater than just yourself? What if God has called, called you to dream a little bit bigger than yourself? Esther, I know that God has done something incredible in your life, but what if he did something incredible in your life so that you can do something incredible in the lives of those around you? What, what am I talking about? I'm talking to the person who is at a crossroads today. I'm talking to, this, to the single dad who's thinking about running off on your kids because you didn't imagine that your life would look like this and you're frustrated and you're overwhelmed. I'm talking to the business owner who's built enough that you have enough money that you think maybe I just need to go retire and play it safe. I'm here to tell you, you better first remember how you got here. I'm here to tell you, you better remember whose voice matters. I'm here to tell you, you better remember who's counting on you. Your life is about so much more than you. And if Esther throws in the towel, man, it's like Mordecai said, God's going to find a way to deliver his people. But they'll never learn this great lesson, this great lesson of how, how to deal with pivotal decisions, how to, when you have it all, still press for more. When God has called you to a place of prominence that you still press for your purpose in the midst of, in the midst of adversity, in the midst of devastation, in the midst of burning questions, in the midst of chaos, in the midst of confusion, that I will lift my head higher than the storm and make sure that God's not wanting to do something through me again. Make sure that God's not wanting to use my influence again. Make sure that God's not wanting to speak to me again. God has potential on the inside of you. And I'm here to tell you, some of you have reached the palace, but your palace has a purpose. What, what is the palace? I'm talking about your, your, your great, great family. Gosh, look at all these people. Their families are falling apart. And look at, look at, look at my palace. That's a, that's, that, is a pic, that is a palace and your palace has a purpose. I'm talking to the business owner who you've, you've been going after it. You've been going after it and things are producing, but it's kind of just at a standstill. And you think maybe I'm just a hat. No, 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 no. You better first remember how you got here. <laughs> you, 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 be, you, be, you better remember whose voice matters because I believe that your palace has a purpose. I believe that the influence that God has given you, it may not have been what you wanted, but it has a purpose. You thought it was a setup, but now it feels like a setback. And I'm telling you, it has a purpose. You thought it was going to be the thing that knocked the door wide open. And that was your way. But God sees a little bit higher. He sees a little bit different. He's, he's forecasting that these Jews are going to be in bondage. And the Jews are going to be killed. So I need to find a little orphan girl named Esther. And I'm going to put her in the palace. And I'm going to bless her. But it's not just about the blessing. It's what I'm wanting to call her to. Don't be, don't be baited into blending in. Because you're in a season of your life that you don't feel as significant anymore. I'm telling you, this season of your life. Well, here is what I'm getting at. What if you were born for such a time as this?
thought you were born to be the CEO of a company. You thought you were born to be famous. And now that's washed up, you think, well, have no. What if you were actually born for such a time as this? Mom and dad whose kids are out of the house. Feel like you're in, what if, what if all of that was just warm up? What if you were born for such a time as this? What if this pivotal point that you're up against, what if it's not just another pivotal point? What if it's actually the reason that you were born and you can't see it because you can't feel it? And you can't see it because there's too many voices in your life telling you, well, I guess good shot, good try, I guess, you know, it's good. Just kind of take it easy. You know what, you've earned it. You've, you know, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, how do you navigate the times in life that I thought this was gonna be the setup that changed everything and now it feels like a setback. How do I navigate the times in life where, man, I don't know what to say. How do I know if I'm making the right decision? How do I know if I'm making the right move? I'm here to tell you today. You got to remember how you got here. <laughs> How'd you get here? No, I'm telling you, stop right now in the middle of this service. You think about how you got here. How did you, how did you, was it luck? Is it luck you're still alive today? No, it's not luck. It's not luck. Just your lifestyle, how hard you work? No, it's not that. Is it your looks, your natural? No, no, no. It's God and God. You, the fact that you're alive and breathing today means that God's not done with you yet. And don't you dare slow down. Don't you dare continue to be baited by the voices of, of, of those around you who have been loyal, who have been faithful. Their voices are power. They have the position, but they don't have the production. They're not going where you're going. Some of you already know, and you've been, you've been asking too many people to weigh in on it. That's not how you got here. You got here by bold moves. You're, look, you're looking for doors and opportunities that make sense. You, that's not how you got here. You got here by doors and opportunities that took risk. It, it wasn't the ones that made sense. The, the one, hear me today. It, anybody who is successful will tell you this. I didn't get there by playing it safe. I didn't, I didn't get there by just logical reasoning. And this makes sense. It took risk. I don't know if this is going to work out. I don't, I, I, I don't know, but, but I'm, I'm remembering how I got here. So I don't carry the pressure of getting me to where I'm going next. I remember whose voice matters. If, if he did it, then he can do it again. And, and I remember, this is just not about me. I'm telling you, your kids are counting on you. I'm tell, telling you, your family's counting on you. I'm talking about there's people that you will, I think about my life, guys. Remember the story, of, I think about, what would my, look, my life look like? If my, and not just, not just if I didn't come back here. What if my dad wouldn't have followed the voice of God to move to Fresno and start a church in 1992? There, there wouldn't have been a place. There wouldn't have been a space. You see, as the church has grown, it has been a, a platform of, God, look what you've done. Look at the palace that you've created. But the palace had a purpose, and I'm a living example of that. The people on the right or left, they're, they're, you're a living example of the fact that the palace, the calling that God had put on his life, the risk that actually, we actually got off the ground, and you had, you had church in your living room, and it actually had to get a location. It became, became a church, but it wasn't about that. It was, it was about the palace had a purpose. There's people in here today that you are on the edge of suicide. You're going to throw in the towel, and you're thinking, I can't go any further, but because of being in this place, God is going to turn your life around. He's going to give you fresh vision, fresh legs, fresh wind in your sails to keep on pressing. 
I'm, ta- I'm talking about businessmen. You can't, sometimes when, when, you, when you're a pioneer, you can't see it. You can't see how, how it's, it's, God wants you to be successful because your success actually causes room for other people's success. Your, your, your palace creates a place for purpose so that other people can continue to find theirs. This is what Esther, this is what the story of Esther. I, I was with my, my friend Armin and we were at, uh, his son had a birthday and we were at Disneyland. And I'm standing out there and I, we, we walked out front of Disneyland and I look over and I see all these hotels and I th- see all these convenience stores. I mean, hotel after hotel after hotel. And you see on each one, no vacancy, no vacancy, no vacancy, no vacancy, no vacancy. I say, Armin, come here, I want you to look at this. I want you to look at this. And he comes over and he stands on me. I said, I, I, want, you, I want you to know that you can never stop pushing for more. You, you, you always got to dream bigger because your dream isn't about you. You see, Walt Disney had a dream to start an amusement park. But I want you to look at all these other buildings, all these other places, no vacancy, no vacancy, no va- all these other people that are feeding their families. You know why they're feeding their families? Because this man went after feeding his. When, when you acknowledge that God has put a dream on the inside of your heart and you chase your purpose, you create space for other people to walk in theirs. Th- those hotels would not be no vacancy, no vacancy, no vacancy if, it w- if Disneyland wasn't on the other side of the street. You're hearing me this morning. I- I'm here to tell you, there's some, you think it's not just about your security. It's, it's, a, it's about your security creates space for other people to walk into their calling, to fulfill their God capacity. It's, it's, it's so dependent, this, this church. It's, so, it's about, this is why you got to get in the game with the church. It's about so much more than the church. Ah, it's, it's a palace that creates a platform for people's purpose. It's where people can come and their marriage can get turned around. And then a business pops up and that business causes our world and our society to flourish. I'm talking about it's people who can come and realize that God has a plan despite the adversity and the pain that they're facing in their life. And they go back and they go after it. It's not, it's, this, is, this is why you got to get, get all in because it's not just about the palace. The palace is a platform for people's purpose. How do you know? Come to talk to people who are at a crossroads. The place that you're at, you're thinking, what, where from here? I believe there's people in here that you know where from here. It's just really, really quiet because you've forgotten how you got here. So you forgot whose voice matters and you can't even see who's counting on you. I went out to my grandpa's grave this last week. And I stood over the tombstone there and I talked to him and I know he's not there, but I I said, man, grandpa, thanks for, thanks for living a life that reminds me how to live mine. A man who never stopped dreaming. (laughs) Remember when he was struggling with dementia at the end of his life and he'd still be thinking, I need to. I need to go and I need to start this and I need to get a chicken ranch and I need to be just like dreaming. And it almost seems funny, but this is a, this is a man who gets it. A man who gets it, who, who worked hard so that he can give big. <laughs> That's my grandpa. He worked hard so he can give big. He, uh, he, 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 rem- he remembered it was, it was God who put him here. So it didn't matter the pressures of people who wanted him to be whatever. He knew what his, this is what I'm here supposed to do. I know because God, because I know how I got here. And so I know whose voice matters. And he always lived with this burning tenacity to remember the people that were counting on him. Far beyond his family. I dare you today to 
remember how you got here. I found myself last night thinking about people too much. Thinking about where do I go? What is? What are they going to think if? What? I said, what? No. Remember how you got here. And I'm talking about your two feet put on the face of this planet. <laughs> that wasn't your mommy or your daddy. It's God and God alone. If He put you here, then He has a purpose in you being here. So remember whose voice matters. Love the people around you. They always mean well. It's never their fault. We're just, we're all human. We're all trying our very best. People who give you advice and wisdom, it's, they're not being malicious. They're meaning their absolute best. But you can't live your life by that. If you do, you'll miss out on your calling. You'll miss out on your capacity. Remember this people counting on you. Always live with the end in mind. Always live with the end in mind. What do you want them to say when you're gone? What do you want people to feel when you're gone? Maybe it's over. Maybe the thing that you're up against will do you in. Maybe your marriage won't see another daybreak. Maybe your career. Maybe it's tanked. Maybe your best days are behind you. But maybe, maybe you were born for such time as this. Maybe the reason that God puts you on the planet is for right here, right now, in the midst of the hurt, in the midst of the pain, in the midst of the confusion. I want you guys to pray and I want you guys to fast. And I'm going to go before the king. And if I die, <laughs> I die. I'm going to go after my marriage. And if my marriage dies, then it dies. And I'm going to go after the dream. And if, it die, if I die, I die. But I'm going to die going after something that God placed on the inside of my heart. Man, if it doesn't fail, if I don't succeed, if I die, I die. But I'd much rather die going after the thing that God placed on the inside of me than die for a life that was just comfortable. A life that made sense. If I die, I die. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to fight to be everything that God has called me to be. I'm going to steward the pivotal points in life. How? I'm going to remember how I got here. <laughs> I'm going to remember whose voice matters. And it's not the voice of the person who scarred you when you were a child. That is not the voice that matters. Stop rehearsing that. Stop thinking about it. Oh, that is not the voice that matters. It is not... It is not the doctor that told you you will never have children. That is not the voice that matters. They, they, and hear me, they mean well. They, they mean well. That's, that's, that's their job is to help you understand the, the, the natural, that that is not the voice that matters. Throw in the, you'll never, you'll never, you'll never, your, your, your family situation will never fully be what you want it to be because of the things that you did that you can't take back. That is not the voice that matters. It's not the voice that matters. Remember that there's people counting on you. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes with me this morning? God, today in this place, I ask that you would bring illumination. If you never heard me say it before, illumination is like when you go into a dark room and I tell you your keys are in there. 
and it's pitch black and so you're on your knees and you're scurrying around to find the key. You can't find the keys, but then I come in and I, I flip on the light switch, illumination. And you think to yourself, oh, there they are. Holy Spirit, I ask that you would do the work of illumination. That where we have been clawing and scratching on our knees, searching, which way is up, which way is down, which, which move do I make, where do I go from here? That God, in a moment, Holy Spirit, you would bring illumination. Oh, there it is. Oh, there they are. That's the move I need to make. I dare you to remember who you are today. I dare you to remember who you are today. Ah, I dare you to remember who you are today. Remember how you got here. Remember how you got here. You're good, but you're not that good. An accident could have took you out. An injury could have took you out. Something fatal, a sickness could have, you're still here. You didn't make that happen. Remember how you got here. There's somebody behind the curtain orchestrating your life. There's something, even, even when, even when you're not looking out for yourself, there's somebody who's working on a bigger picture and it doesn't make sense. And, it, and it's not predicated upon your performance. Who give, who gives a rip how good you've been? That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about you are still here. Remember how you got here. Remember whose voice that matters. Remember whose voice matters. Remember whose voice matters. Remember whose voice matters. It's not the destructive voices. It's not the safe voices. It's not the voices of people who mean well but are unfruitful. People who are publicly important but privately unproductive. I'm not talking about the royal eunuchs. I'm talking about the voice of God. I'm not talking about the people that have been consistent. Redefine your definition of loyalty. If you're going to be loyal to one person, don't make it a human because humans are fickle. And humans will, will be there for you one day and turn their back on you the next. Can you put your trust in someone who is greatly consistent? Someone who is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Who, when you cried your darkest tears, he was watching. And when you've laughed your biggest laughs, he was right there celebrating you. Can you be loyal to God and to God alone? Remember whose voice matters!
that are counting on you and you think you don't have anybody. There's people that are counting on you far after you're gone. <laughs> I was reminded this last week of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. <laughs> Could you imagine the hell that man went through? Standing up for something that's like, is anybody even listening? You know, he's like, I'm fighting for equality, guys. I'm fighting for, come on, one day, maybe one day, maybe one day, little black boys, little black girls, little white girls, maybe one day they'll walk, they'll walk hand in hand. Maybe because that's, that wasn't that wasn't even a, that wasn't even a possibility then. But, but somebody somebody had put him on the planet. He, he knew how he got here, so he knew it wasn't the voice of people that say, "Come on, Martin, it's a pipe dream." Get, come on, you think that that? Can I tell you something? He he has had more effectiveness in his death than he ever experienced in his life. Don't live, don't live as nearsighted as your existence here on, on the earth. There are things that, that, that you won't even know. You won't even know what you produce until you get up to heaven and God shows you. Some of you in this room are called to something so much greater than what you see as a palace. <laughs> the palace. The palace that you have pedestaled is nothing compared to the purpose God has called you to. Somebody hear that this morning. The palace that you have pedestaled, the, 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 the thing that you have pe pedestaled, what is that? Your family? What is that? Your job? What is that? Your money? What is that? Your fame? The palace that you have pedestaled is nothing in comparison to the purpose that God has planned for you. A lot of people come up to me and say, man, I remember one time you were talking and when you did that and when you said that, not, that really impacted me and changed my life. And it's funny because, like, I don't even remember some of those things. Did you know it's like that in your life, though, too? The people that you smiled at at the grocery store, the woman that you hugged when she was crying, and you thought nothing of it because you were just trying to do unto others as they would have, do unto you. Did you know there, there, are, there are life turnarounds out there that you won't even know until you get up to heaven. That's, that's why you live with the end in mind. Don't get caught up in the mess of people's opinions and what status is and what people think is important. Remember. Do you, do you remember? Do you remember how you got here? Some of you, that means a lot. The divorce didn't do you in. The, 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 the abuse didn't deal you in. Not having a mama or a daddy. You, you, look, look, what God, look what God has done. Look what God, look, your, your mom and dad will be so proud. I don't know who that's for today. Your mom and dad would be so proud. What would they think? They'd be so proud. So proud that you remembered who you were. You paid attention to the voice that mattered. And you remembered the people that were counting on you. God of this place today, would you seal it in our hearts forever? you seal it in our hearts forever. 
totally dependent on you and nobody else, nobody else. I'm totally dependent on you and nobody else, nobody else. I'm totally dependent on you nobody. Come on, where there's disappointment, where there's hurt, where there's brokenness, where there's accusation, hear that, where there's accusation, where there's accusation, things that you are not guilty of, that you're being accused of. I want you to echo that in your soul. I'm totally dependent on you. Not my ability to defend, not my ability to point fingers at who, I'm totally dependent. My future. I'm, 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 not, I'm, not, I'm not waiting on the promotion. I'm not waiting on the call. I'm not, I'm not waiting. I'm not waiting because I'm not dependent on anybody else. God, I'm dependent on you. I'm trusting you. I'm trusting. How do you be the dad? How do you be the mom? How do you be the husband? How do you be the wife? Trust in someone greater than yourself. God, I'm totally dependent on you. That's right where you're at. Just take one quick second. We'll be out of here in just a minute. Just close your eyes. Take a second just to go inward within your soul. Internally, just let go. Those of you watching on YouTube that are just staring at the, at the screen, just caught up in this moment, would you just close your eyes right where you're at too? Would you just internally, right, right where you're at, with your headphones in at the coffee shop, would you just close your eyes and just internally let go? God, we're not even dependent upon ourselves. We're going to work hard, but we're not dependent upon our hustle. God, would you bring healing in this place right now? God, would you bring healing to, to scars, to wounds, to things in our psychology that has created roadblocks, dams for, for, for us to be able to experience love the way we want to experience love? I don't know what that means, but I believe that there's some people that you have just emotional dams because you've been hurt. And it's time for those dams to be broken. It's time for those dams to be broken. Because if, if you keep resisting love because it's not coming in the package that you wanted, it's going to destroy every single relationship around you. And you're going to think that it was your marriage that went south. And it's not the marriage that went south. There's, there was a dam in your soul. God, Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, right in this moment, God, would you, would you remove the dams that are holding up progress? Uh, I hear dams breaking this morning. Dams are breaking this morning. Things that have been holding up progress in your relationships. Things that have been holding up progress in your business. I dare you to believe it. I dare you to, 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 to latch on to it, to, to make this more than a moment, to, to say, God, if you're doing it, I want it. I, I just declare in your life that dams are breaking. Dams are breaking. Things that have, what is a dam? Something that's been holding, it's been holding up. And it, the problem is not that there's been, there's been nothing flowing, it's just been held up. God, we declare it in this place today. One more time, let's lift our voices. Thanks for listening. If this impacted you and you'd like to partner with us, go to salvationchurch.cc give to help us reach people with the message of Jesus. 